Well, uh, this is talk four in our Soma Basics, the basics of our church. So far, as Toby said, we've looked at God's glorious purpose for the church and for the last two weeks, our glorious identity in Christ. And this week, more on our glorious identity in Christ, looking at Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. Recently, Genevieve and Mel were talking about uh, battery hens who've been saved, yeah? And um, apparently they've got no feathers and they're... They're put in uh, a backyard coop and they, little jumpers are knitted for them <laughs> uh, because they get too cold without feathers. Uh, but they don't know how to be chickens. Like, they've been in a battery situation, enslaved in a cage. And so they don't know how to perch at night. And chickens are jungle birds in their ancestry uh, that went up into the canopy of the jungle to be safe at night. But these chickens don't know how to do that. They don't know how to perch. So you have to actually lift them up on the perch until they learn to do that. Um, they don't know how to forage and scratch for food and gravel. And chickens need to eat gravel because they've got no teeth and they have to grind the food in their stomachs. Uh, but battery hens don't know how. They just stand in a corner all day. They don't know what to do. And I think that's like us. Um, we were battery humans, yeah, and um, we have been saved, set free, given a glorious new identity, but we don't know what to do. We stand in the corner sometimes, and God needs to teach us the glory of who we are now and how to live in our new identity in Christ. So I want to look at our missional identity today, uh, filling us in order to fill all things, looking at Ephesians 1, 22 to 23 mainly, and you'll check it out in the books that you've got or online, click for the headings uh, on the front page of the website. We looked at Ephesians 1, 18 to 23 a couple of weeks ago. It's like a symphony that crescendos. It's all about Jesus' resurrection to ultimate power, rule and authority, and it ends with verse 22. Oh, that power is ultimately ex expended for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And if I asked you, what is the church? How would you describe church? Or if you heard people discussing what the church is or debating, I don't think you'd hear anybody saying, oh, the church is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I think if someone said that, they would put sort of a, a dampener on the conversation. What is Paul saying? The church is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, firstly, he says the church is Christ's body. Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills everything in, in every way. Christ's body, the Greek word is soma. We are his soma, his body. In other words, we are the embodiment of Jesus in the world. I think that's his point here. Uh, we're deeply connected to him as a body to a head and we know him intimately and draw our life and sustenance from him and we enjoy unity and community in the body with, with him, our head, and with each other in the body because we're united together as one body. But the whole idea here is that Christ's body is missional. It's Christ's tangible expression or his manifestation or the embodiment of him in the world so that people will know him and come to know him. And that's the point. Uh, what does it mean that we're his fullness? Well, the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
Uh, the church is the fullness of Christ. What's that saying? Well, the Greek word here is pleroma, uh, which means something at its fullest potential or completeness. So Paul is saying that the church, the body of Christ, is the fullest potential of Christ or the completeness of Christ or the fullness of Christ. Right? Now, to understand the way that Paul is using this Greek word pleroma, we have to understand the Old Testament concept of Shekinah or Shekinah. Shekinah is this Hebrew word. Shekinah literally means the dwelling uh, and refers to God's glorious presence, particularly in the tabernacle and then in the later temple. And I think Paul is conveying the idea of Shekinah in this word pleroma, this idea of fullness. So the idea of the word Shekinah is God's presence and glory manifested in a particular spot where God's presence fills up that spot, fills it up. And he's really there in a way that he's not elsewhere. Um, Remember in the Exodus and Israel's history, God delivers his people from slavery and he's leading them through the wilderness in the cloud by day, the fire by night, which descends on the tabernacle. That manifestation, the cloud and the fire descending on the tabernacle, that is the Shekinah of God. Um, The special presence of God with his people. Um, It's where God is making his presence and glory known in a tangible, manifested way. Uh, If you, you, you really did know if you were in Israel, you knew God is there. He's right there revealing himself to us more than he is over on the other side of that mountain. He's here specifically, tangibly, specially here revealing himself to us at this spot, filling this spot with his presence. Same with the temple at Jerusalem. You're in the temple, you knew God is right here, whereas he's not here in the same way outside the walls of the temple. Um, Somehow God is more here than he is over there. This is the idea of Shekinah. And yes, God is everywhere. (laughs) Psalm 139, where can I go from God's presence? He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. But this is saying, yeah... God is everywhere, but no, no. God is specifically, specially, dynamically right here in this particular space. In other words, God's Shekinah is his special, fuller, fullness, um, dynamic self-presence right there where God is intentionally revealing himself and making himself known at that particular place rather than the general universal presence of God. Like God is everywhere, but Shekinah is, no, no, he's really, really, really here. And he's revealing himself, his glory, right here. And this is a concept that lies at the very heart of the Old Testament, that at a specific time and place, God was uh, intensely present with his people to reveal himself to them and through them to the whole world. And the very core of New Testament thinking 
is that now in Christ, the Shekinah of God dwells with us. It's in the church. We are the temple of his presence, as we saw last week. His special presence is with us. And that special presence is the Spirit of God. And Paul is saying here in Ephesians, this is what the church is. The church is the body of Christ where the fullness of Christ dwells. The church is where Christ's presence and power and spirit is. The church is the place where Christ is making himself known in us and through us to the whole world. The church is the place where Christ is more here than he is there so that people will see that and come to know him. There's something about the church. When the church gathers, even now, when the church gathers, he is here in a way that he is not over there in the car park, right? He is here with us, specially, dynamically, revealing himself. Um, And when the church scatters, the fullness of Christ is with us as we scatter more than he is elsewhere. Is Christ everywhere? Yes. (laughs) But the fullness of Christ is here in us, among us, as his church more than he's elsewhere. That's what this is saying. The fullness, the pleroma, the completeness, all of who God is, is present with us in Christ by his spirit. Amazing. And the purpose of that is so that the world may know Jesus. He's filling us so that he will fill all things. He does this through his body, the church, As the church grows, Jesus brings his Shekinah presence to every place and space in the world through his people, the church. I have a number of implications. One, filled and filling. Paul's picture of the church is so vast, so broad, so universal. His picture is of the risen, ascended, transcended Jesus filling the world with his presence and glory. But the way he does that is through us, the church. This was God's purpose from the beginning. Adam and Eve were created in God's image so that they would fill the creation with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's what it means to be in the image of God, to reflect his glory into the creation. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. There's that filling language. The idea is that Adam and Eve, through their children, would fill the earth with God-glorifying people, humans, so that the earth would be full of the knowledge of the glory of God. And the prophets prophesied that one day that would happen, that the knowledge of the glory of God would fill the, cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Now, through Jesus, this is happening. God's eternal purpose is still God's eternal purpose. And the church, which is the new humanity is the way in which Christ fills all things in every way, for we are his fullness, we are his body through his spirit. So this is Jesus' intention for the church, that communities of Christians dotted everywhere in the mountains, for example, every pocket of people reached um, so that Christ's presence is felt everywhere, 
through his people so that people can come to know him. Secondly, gathered and scattered. So the picture of church is so huge, it's not just about when we gather. There's a lot in the Bible about gathering. Don't forsake gathering together. The word church means gathering. But Paul here has a picture that looks like every city, every park, every neighbourhood, every community centre, every playgroup, every school, every workplace, every single place and person would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. This is what the church is called to be, Jesus' tangible presence in the world, revealing his glory and presence. If you think that means two or three hours on a Sunday, you've missed the whole point. Thirdly, called and sent. We need to understand ourselves not just as the called out people who gather, although that's very important. We are the called out people, the children of God, but we're called out for a purpose, and that is to be sent out to be his heralds, his ambassadors, his sent out people. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, God is making his appeal through us. We're called out in order to be sent out. We're called to be children of light, as Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 8, in our everyday ordinary lives. To be light in the world, Jesus said, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Don't hide your light under a bowl, but put it on a stand so it might shine. So all of life now is informed by this new identity that we have in Jesus, that we are his body, the fullness of him, for the purpose of being the embodiment of his grace and life and power and glory and truth and presence in the world, in the mountains, among musicians, among artists, at work, at, in Littleton stores, in our street, at our workplace, that everything we do now is part of his work and his purpose of revealing himself to the world through us. In a sense, we are the church, we don't come to church, which is why we say welcome Soma, not welcome to Soma at our gatherings, because we are the church in everything we do. We're the church when we're gathered, and we're still the church when we're scattered. (laughs) Sometimes the structures we put in place to run churches serve as containers that hold people in. It's almost as if We're trying to extract people from the world, whereas we should be sending people out into the world. Sometimes we pastors put on all these programs we want to run, things we want to get done, um, and we try to get people to serve in those programs, which are really our pastor agenda. Sometimes we just put on too many programs. But there are two aspects to church, ecclesiology and laiology, Ecclesiology, what we do when we gather, you know, church order, discipline, sacraments, ordination programs and so on. But then there's laiology, being the people of the world, people of God out in the world. And we need to balance these two aspects. It's easy to think church is primarily about coming away from the world, come out from among them. But a main reason we come out from among them and gather is so that we can scatter more effectively. I don't know what happened there. That was exciting. That was spreading and scattering just right there. Fantastic. Um, so the main, one of the main reasons we gather is so that we will scatter with renewed energy and, and, and equipped for each week. Jesus prays, John 17, As the Father sent me, so I send you. I pray that you won't 
uh, take them out of the world, says Jesus, but that you'll keep them in the world, that you'll sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth, you'll sanctify them in the world. Uh, Jesus' whole call and prayer is that we remain in the world um, and that we see ourselves as sent out into the world. Uh, Fourthly, missional. A lot of people are talking about this concept of being missional. It's a cool word in the global Christian uh, scene. It's seeing ourselves as the sent people of God to show his light in everyday life to be little communities of Christians sent out to sports clubs and to hair salons and, I don't know, cafes and schools and workplaces and neighbourhoods. Fifthly, equipped to be sent out. So the question is, how do we equip the church to see itself as missional and sent out? What does it look like to be the body of Christ in everyday life among those who do not know him? In the places we live and work and play. What does it mean to be communities of Christians embodying Christ among not yet believers so that the local people where we live and work are being led to Jesus, discipled, equipped and developed? How do we intentionally engage with those who are not yet Christians in ways where we're showing them Jesus so that Christ fills all things in every way through us? How do we do it? Well, if we look further in Ephesians to that passage Ali read, chapter 4, 11 to 16 especially, which we'll look at next week in detail, Christ gives leaders to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the body of Christ so the body grows so that Jesus might fill all things. Sixthly, gospel intention in everyday life. So if we take this seriously, we leaders have to equip others and ourselves to live our identity as the body of Christ in everyday ways. Moment by moment, in the workplace, at the playgroup, with our neighbours and in our families. We've got to equip for that. Otherwise, all we'll do is run a really great service and invite everyone to that. And what we'll be doing is just creating consumers of church rather than equipping people to be the church out in the world for Christ. So our equipping must be about being the body of Christ in ordinary life. Otherwise, church will merely be events and programs that we attend. And if we equip people only to run events and programs, to be part of events and programs, they won't be able to translate that into everyday life. And this is one of my main criticisms of many churches. We need to think through what is the stuff of everyday life and how do we equip people to be the body of Christ in that everyday life that is going on all of the time in their lives. I believe there are three aspects. Put simply, love God, love one another, love our neighbours. But being a bit more specific than that, and this is part of the training now, Commune with Christ moment by moment. We need to equip people for that. Communing with Christ, our head, we're his body. Communing with him moment by moment. And I've talked about this book, Enjoying God, which is the killer book of all time, for how to commune commune with Christ and with God through Christ in the day-to-day, moment by moment of our lives and to enjoy that and be absolutely awestruck and amazed by him in that. 
So commune with Christ moment by moment, number one. Number two, love other Christians in whatever we're doing, wherever we are. Our love for one another is so central to our witness to Jesus. So I'm talking about wherever we are in our work or going around the neighbourhood or in our hobbies and activities. Who are the other Christians? How are we loving them? Um, We need to equip people to know how to love other Christians and realise they are with us in this body of Christ. Um, They are our brothers and sisters. We need to learn to love one another. It's the great tragedy of the church that often we do not. And so our witness for Christ in the world is so hamstrung. Love other Christians in whatever you're doing, wherever you are. And thirdly, working together with other Christians to love and to show Christ to people. It's our body life together uh, in our various gifts, which is the whole point of the body of Christ. We see that particularly in chapter 4. I'm going to do a whole talk on that. My seventh talk is all about that. It's as we work together in, our, in the body of Christ, in our various gifts, to love others, serve others, and show them Christ. This is the third aspect, working together with other Christians to love and show Christ to people. A little example would be a group of Christians having a ministry of prayer to their work colleagues, even asking their work colleagues what they can pray for them. So this is being the, being the body of Christ in that workplace. Uh, communing with Christ together, loving each other and then working together in that workplace uh, to love others and show Christ. Or in the neighbourhood where, where you live, say you're a household of singles or a family. In Ephesians, Paul says a lot about households, husband, wife, children, servants, whatever. How will you be the body of Christ as a household in your street and neighbourhood? God's intent is that Christ is all in all. In other words, our households are to be filled with communing with Jesus, loving one another and working together to love others and show Jesus to them. That is our neighbours. So communing with Jesus means praying together regularly as a household, very basic, repenting of our sins together and confessing sins that we need to confess to one another, reading his word, speaking the gospel to one another constantly as a rhythm and as a wonderful thing, seeing him work in our lives and pointing that out, enjoying him, uh, enjoying his love, celebrating the Lord's Supper even together in our households. Or Paul says in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord always giving thanks for everything. That ought to be the tone and tenor of our household life if we're all Christians in that household. Prayer time, singing together even, or, or praying by ourselves, yes, and singing by ourselves in the shower or whatever, but the, this household needs to come together as well to pray and why not worship Jesus? We want him to be all in all in our household, to commune with him Um, We want Jesus to be on our hearts and on our lips. If that's not happening at a level, we're not going to be effective to be his witnesses in that street. It all flows from communing with Christ and knowing how to do that and doing that together. And then loving each other secondly. Paul mentions the example of handling our anger well, putting off bitterness, cherishing tender feelings for one another. I love that. 
Cherish tender feelings for one another in your household. Cherish tender feelings. What a great witness to Jesus. Speaking in ways that build each other up. No coarse language. No yelling, he says. No greed, no lying. This is all in Ephesians, at the end of Ephesians 4 and also chapter 5. He gives us stacks of stuff about what this life is as we love one another within our household, for example. And then our neighbours experiencing this life that we have with Jesus as we commune with him moment by moment together in in that household. Our neighbours experience that and our love for each other as we bring that to them as we overlap our lives with them and love them and serve them. They see us or they hear us singing <laughs> with each other. They know that we pray for them because we've asked them what we can pray for. They, we quote appropriate verses uh, to encourage people. Um, we, 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 they experience our love and our joy in Christ and we're hospitable listening to our neighbours and serving them and celebrating birthdays and milestones and we're peacemakers and if there's a breach in, the, in that neighbourhood, we're working towards healing Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 18, wherever two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of you. And the context of Matthew 18 is working towards reconciliation. That's why there's two or three. You need two or three witnesses. They're working towards reconciliation. And Jesus says, there am I in the midst of you. See, this is the Shekinah presence of God as we mobilise into our neighbourhoods, bringing the life of Christ, the reality of Christ, our communion with Christ, our love for one another, into that space. People see it, they experience it, and we share Christ with them in that context. So we do it in our households, but not just our households. We do it in our workplace, potentially, if that's a possibility. We do it in many other spheres. We can be involved in many spheres, communing with Christ moment by moment, knowing who the other Christians are and loving them, and working with other Christians to love and serve and show Christ to others. We can do it in many spheres in our life. But we do it as gospel communities in a focused way in our church, communing with Christ together as a gospel community in the everyday. DNA groups, uh, our gospel community family meals, where we talk about Jesus a lot and we pray and we sing and we do all of these things, these all this communing with Jesus. If your gospel community isn't communing with Jesus, if you aren't talking about him, if you aren't reminding one another of the gospel, if you aren't you know, calling out in praise to him and thanksgiving, if that's just not there, then you're not going to be a very effective gospel community in terms of mission. Um, so it starts with this very active, very vibrant engagement with Jesus, communing with him. And again, I recommend that book. Um, Ephesians 3.19, that we may be grounded in the love of Christ, the depth, the width, the breadth, the length of the love of Christ. And we can can have communion. COVID won't stop us in our gospel communities. We can sing together. COVID won't stop us. And in this church, everyone's got a guitar, you know. Um, Pretty well everyone can play it or sort of play it. So, yeah, grabbing the guitar, singing, worshipping Jesus together, communing with him and communing with God through him in the spirit, of course. Uh, So loving one another in our gospel communities in everyday, tangible ways, practically caring for one another. Plenty of examples there in Ephesians 4 and 5. Cherish 
tender feelings for one another being a great one. Uh, and then working together uh, to love and bring and show Jesus to people that we're trying to reach in our, our network, say climbing community or Littleton stores or a neighbourhood or just a list of people that randomly we chose because we know them and they don't necessarily know each other. But we're working together in love to mobilise in our various gifts to show them Christ. <clears throat> so our new climbing gospel community, communing moment by moment, James and Hannah and Jake and Kim, with Jesus, loving each other. Boy, if that's not there, what, what is it really about? It's, it's, it's all about we love one another, we're the body of Christ, and we bring that life with Jesus and that love for one another into the climbing space. Um, and we serve the people there. We're getting to know them, have barbecues. I don't know what you guys are going to be doing, but uh, praying for them, and getting to know their partners, hearing their story, and, and it all starts to unfold and hopefully doing something like Alpha where they can be formally introduced to who Jesus is. So communing with Christ in all of life, loving one another in all of life, and working with other Christians together to love and show Jesus to others. We need to equip people for that, how to do that, what that means. So Christ's intention for our church is to be part of the filling of the Blue Mountains with his presence. I'm excited to hear about Sun Valley Gospel Community this morning. It's about engaging with those who aren't yet Christians as we live our life with Christ, with each other, and together serve and love and show Christ to others around us so that they see his light. You might be thinking, wow, that's asking a lot. How do I make time for that in my busy life? How many hours a week will that take, right? You know the answer, right? Every hour. It takes all hours. Uh, all of them. Uh, at first that sounds absolutely overwhelming and crazy and cult-like. But... <laughs> but it's actually very freeing. <laughs> it's a glorious way to live. It's, it's not I've got to add a bunch of programs into my already busy life, and I'll call that church, and squeeze church programs into my already crazy life. It's more like how I live my everyday life in community with Christ, in community with other Christians, seeking to love and show Christ to other people. And that's glorious. That's relationships, not programs. Relationships give energy, they give life, they give comfort, they give support. They're rich, they're wonderful. So we don't want to see people exhausted by running too many programs, although some are needed. But we do want to encourage and train and equip everyone to live in community with Christ to community with one another and together be working with our gifts to love and serve and show Christ to others. And we can do that in multiple spheres, but we're particularly wanting that to be happening in a concentrated and focused way in our gospel communities. And we're learning to live a new glorious identity. Whew. Amen.